Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the first video edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Billy Embody, putting a face to a name with me in the other box, Shay Dixon. Shay, uh, good to see you. Uh, this new video format is something we're going to be breaking out here on the Go 24-7 podcast. This is the first one. It's going to be uh, an experiment, but we're excited to get it going. I think everybody already knew what you looked like, Billy. So we're good there. Yeah, yeah. We, and we've got <laughs> some people. Got some Maddie people don't behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Maddie B running the show behind the scenes, driving the bus, as we 100%. like to say in the podcast world. Uh, so we appreciate him uh, taking time to be here as well. And we'll bring him in at certain points in the pod. Uh, but you know, for the first one especially, wanted to get it off and rolling uh, with the true producer working behind the scenes. Uh, and Shay, we've been off and rolling on LSU fall camp for a while now, and the Tigers are uh, dodging the rain. Ed Ogeron talked about uh, how they were going to try to, uh, you know, dodge it and and you know work inside, outside, be able to be in the elements. But the rain in Baton Rouge has been an issue. Injuries in Baton Rouge have kind of been an issue as well. Uh, Ed Ogeron updated those Wednesday night. We're recording on this Thursday two days before LSU hits Tiger Stadium for its next scrimmage. So far, Shay, are there any that really are catching your mind as far as uh, ones that you are worried about right now? Uh, yeah, that's a big question I'm getting. I'm looking at my other screen here at the depth chart. I would note that Miles Brennan, obviously a quarterback, and then Glenn Logan on the defensive line have been the two guys that we knew had notable injuries, right? That Logan had a foot in a non-contact drill uh, break and had to have a, I'm assuming I'd have a surgery or is just letting it heal, whatever it might be. Sounds like he was out, out about a month or so, and then they'll reevaluate him. And then we'll see where things go with Brennan. And Orgeron actually did comment for the first time about a potential timeline, but he said, look, it's, he's been told he could come back maybe at some point late in the season, but right now it's about just managing the pain. He's not even, you know, I think Orgeron said he's a month or more out than being able to throw a football. So We'll put that combo on the back burner. We'll see where Glenn Logan goes. Everyone, Billy, right now is worried about the cornerbacks, it seems, because they haven't had Eli Ricks out there. He missed all of spring. Now he's back in a non-contact jersey. And then, obviously, Stingley's missed some practice and won't be back until maybe next week at the earliest. He'll be out of this scrimmage. But I've said it a few times on the site and, and any radio I do, as long as those guys, you can get them healthy, as long as they're in shape, they know what to do, they're settled in, they know how to operate at that cornerback role, so those guys will be good. Billy, I'll be curious to watch the guy that I thought would be the starting running back and still may be, but Tyron Davis-Price uh, is banged up a little right now. Coach O said that he didn't play in last week's scrimmage. They've taken it easy on him. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play this week, but we saw him get bit by that at the end of last year, right? And you don't want that to become a recurring thing. We saw Leonard Fournette battling hamstring injuries when he was here where it was almost like a week-to-week -week thing, and Orgeron said that this week. He said this might be something we have to monitor throughout the season. So obviously it's not like a break or anything. He's going to be out there. But if you're battling things like a nagging hamstring or whatever it is, uh, take as much rest as you can in the preseason and, and get yourself healthy for the start uh, of fall camp. But right now that's about it. I mean, they're at least in terms of camp injuries, they've had 
a ton of them in terms of guys getting nicked up and guys just not being able to be out there. And that hurts. But I think when it comes to UCLA and what we're recording this podcast on the 19th, so 16 days away, um, a little more than two weeks, I think everybody should be good or at least the bulk of them, uh, the notable starters should be good to go. And you mentioned running back Tyron Davis-Price, you know, John Emery, Armani Goodwin, Corey Kiner getting more reps because of that. But the guys blocking for him up front, too, that Ed Ogeron let us in on. Uh, obviously, Chase on Hines has been out a minute. Anthony Bradford now uh, got hurt in uh, Tuesday's practices, I think, the the right way that Ogeron uh, put it. And then Garrett Dellinger. You had an update on Garrett Dellinger's status on the site. Uh, check that out if you're a Go 24-7 subscriber. But Anthony Bradford and Chase on Hines are battling for that right guard spot. I think Chase on Hines, if healthy, has the upper hand. Uh, the offensive line is something that Ed Ogeron is is worried about on the injury front. They've got to get those guys healthy, those big guys. If they start getting those nagging injuries, those are tough to deal with in camp. And so that's going to be a storyline leading up to UCLA because, like I said, if those guys are nicked up battling something early on, you're looking at your right guard spot, especially with Chase on Hines and Anthony Bradford. Both of them are nicked up. And so what what do they got to do to get those guys over the finish line and play? Ed Ogeron has really managed injuries fairly well, especially the nagging ones during his tenure here at LSU very well. So I'm sure he has the right playbook. Uh, you know, Bo Lowry and Jack Marucci, you know, probably advising on how to best work with all of that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think for me, the offensive line so far in fall camp has been a big storyline. And Matt, Bruni and I uh, – talked about that on on the podcast earlier this week, just kind of how they will really have to show it. You know, 2020 was so up and down. You had summer workouts being tough for those guys to get in shape. And we saw it. It was apparent early in the season, especially still had one of the better offenses in the SEC. But in terms of protecting Max Johnson, going against the defensive line, they are each day. That's got to help prepare them for, you know, the better defensive lines that they're going to face on their schedule. Uh, so for me, I look at the offensive line as probably one of the big takeaways of fall camp so far. They're a storyline. They're worth monitoring uh, to see how they look come week one. Yeah, this is a good segue because we're going into uh, kind of our one big pro and con that we've taken away from the first few weeks of camp. And I'll expound on what you just talked about because for me, it, and I put it into the con category or a negative right now, uh, but it's still some unknown. It might not mean the end of the world, but the O-line. And we heard in the first scrimmage that, the defensive line got the best of the O-line. Well, you could say this D-line is really good. You can say the defense is always a little ahead in scrimmages, you know, at the early part of camp. Uh, those things are absolutely true. But uh, And we've also heard that the O-line's got some some nice battles going and, and had some wins and practices, which is what you want to hear. But when they get on the field, a year ago, they weren't great. It's the exact same guys minus Dare Rosenthal. So Dare Rosenthal is one of your more higher upside guys, and he played left tackle for you. So now you lose him over the summer, and the guy who was your sixth man, Cam Wire, is now a starter. You've had this battle at right guard between Bradford and Chase and Hines, and Bradford has now replaced Wire as the sixth man, the guy that's going to come off the bench first. Now they're both a little banged up, and it might not be anything serious, but if they were playing today, that would be worrisome, right? And you look beyond that, you've got now Marlon Martinez might be your next man up. Charles Turner is your backup center. Uh, Garrett Dellinger, as we mentioned, we've got a, an update on the site, but not season ending. He'll be back here in, in uh, you know, short order. I don't think it'll be this weekend, but within the next few weeks, he'll be available. And he's going to be a guy that you thought, OK, we'll give him time to develop and all of that. You need him out there practicing because he might be your next guy up at offensive tackle. If not him, 
you're having to go into Xavier Hill, Marcus Dumerville, some guys who have been in the program a year, but I haven't played and we haven't really heard anything about them. So one con, and it's like I said, it just fits into the negative for now is you can't throw or run the ball if you don't have a good offensive line. And a year ago, they just weren't that good. Do these guys, these four guys who are back that all started last year and Cam Wire started six games. So let's lump him in there. Can all these guys take that next step? Because it sounds great on paper, right? And I love these guys. A few Austin Deculus, Ingram, these are some of my favorite guys to cover that have been on the team. But as a unit, do they take that step from last year where they weren't that great to this final year? Because look, they are veterans. They are all coming back. They took care of or took advantage of uh, you know, the pandemic and COVID-19, the NCAA giving an extra year. Well, so did a lot of defenses and a lot of defensive linemen. Andre Anthony's 25 years old right now. I think 24, 25. Yeah. So other teams are going to have that too. You're going to be, you know, playing not just talent, but guys who are grown men. This O-line's got to rise to the occasion. Brad Davis is a new O-line coach, so he's got to hit the ground running with them in camp. We've seen him being incredibly vocal with them in terms of his instruction. Uh, but are they able to put it together? And maybe more so than anything, look, you can go five wide and, and get the ball out quickly and kind of make up for some deficiencies on the O-line. Can they run the football? And that will be the biggest question mark for me. Um, so a con for now and negative is I'm still completely unsure on the O-line. And I'm going to continue with the offensive side of the ball too because we look at it so far in fall camp and you haven't really seen somebody step up at wide receiver, maybe like you wanted to. And you can kind of say the same about tight end. Like if you listen to Ed Ogeron on Wednesday night, he kind of said, you know, Cole Taylor still de developing that physicality, um, not really a pass catcher, basically said, we've got all these wide receivers. We're going to throw the ball to them is what he kind of said. And then Jack Besh, you know, he's not a he's not a blocker. We know what he can, can do in the passing game, at least at the high school level. And then you look at the wide receivers and – there's Dre Jenkins. There's John Trey Kirkland. They're leading. They're leading this team uh, and stepping up as far as the leadership role. We've heard the buzz around Brian Thomas and what he's been able to do in the, in last week's scrimmage and what he's done in practice so far. We haven't heard as much about these wide receivers, so maybe they're just not worried about it. You know, he he has said we can roll ten guys out there and things like that. But I really want to hear more about the wide receiver room grabbing the bull by the horns you know, somebody really emerging as that wide receiver too, just in, in the, in the vocal sense of it, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying Dre Jenkins isn't going to be able to do it and be a quality number two, or Brian Thomas isn't going to be a quality number two. It's also tough to play as a freshman in the sec, you know, Kayshawn Butte broke out late to finish as a freshman, all American. Uh, it's tough to do. And so I want to hear more about those guys and we can talk about it later with the scrimmage and what we're going to do on that. What we're expecting on that front. Uh, but I want to hear more about the wide receivers stepping up. And, uh, you know, I, I think the running back room kind of still bothers me that Ty Davis Price is a little injured now. Uh, how does that room look? So I'm kind of sitting here questioning, you know, an overall con, I guess, for me so far would be the skill positions. You know, what who steps up? And we're going to have to just wait, I think, until UCLA to find that out. Now, on the flip side a pro, and you'll probably talk a little bit about this as well. The obvious one is the defensive line. We both can sit here and talk about the job the defensive line has done. You look at Andre Anthony, Joe Evans, Neil Farrell, B.J. Ojolari, Ollie Gay, Mason Smith, Jaqueline Roy. All those guys are stepping up, and there's just so many to list uh, that it's a unit that you've got to be feeling very, very good about if you're at Ogeron so far in fall camp. I think for me, 
hearing the job, even uh, the, hearing the confidence that they have in Jay Ward, even though he was even a little banged up, is another positive. Um, and Shay, you're going to drop your, your starting depth charts, your starting 11 on both sides of the ball on Friday in case people are listening to this on Thursday. And you're going to share the starters and things like that. Um, those guys have been a positive for me as well because, you know, you know what you have in Derek Stingley and Eli Ricks when they're healthy. But for me, I mean, the, the, the overarching pro for this entire fall camp so far has been the defensive line and what they brought to the table. Okay. I would say the D-line, obviously, right? Um, and I look, we forget B.J. Ojolari might be one of the SEC's best edge rushers. He doesn't even start. I mean, that's how good Andre Anthony and Ali Gay have been is just uh, pure thir- you know, three-down defensive ends. Uh, and they have all the depth in the world at DT. So I love that. And I love what Andre Carter's doing with the D-line. It's a new D-line coach. He's got an attack-first mentality. Neil Farrell said, look, we, every time he opens his mouth, we soak it in. He's got 80, 90 career NFL sacks. What else can we say? We don't, This guy, he's done it all. And I will say that my overall pro, one big one across the first two weeks of fall camp, is it's just not Andre Carter. It's Jake Peets. It's DJ Mangus. It's definitely a lot of Blake Baker at linebacker. It's a lot of Durante Jones at defensive coordinator. All of these guys are new hires. They made six new hires of the 10 on-field coaches. And to be able to have an offensive defensive coordinator who are both new hires come in in an offseason and still blend it together and not miss a beat when you're picking up basically the scraps from a year ago when it was so bad, I think it's been really impressive. And you can tell there's a lot of guys in this team now we've played for three different defensive coordinators. There's a lot of guys who have gone through three different offensive coordinators. And every one of them says, this is just a good fit at my position coach. Or this is a good fit for my coordinator. And it seems like all of those guys came in here hungry. And, and look, we've said it a lot on here. The median age of the staff dropped by 20 years of those 10 on-field coaches because they hired a lot of guys who, you know, Insminger, Bill Johnson, all these guys were at the back end of long coaching careers. These are younger guys, up and coming guys, guys who right now the job they're in is some of the biggest, the biggest jobs they've had. So, uh, or at least for some of them, not all of them. But it, uh, I think all of it has worked itself out well, as well as you could have hoped. We'll see what the result is on the field. But in terms of just the team looking comfortable, feeling good in their room, we don't hear any of this buzz coming out of, uh, you know, one room on the, the team says, well, we don't like our position coach. We want, you know, we don't get along with him. He doesn't see eye to eye with us. There's been none of that, and there had been some of that a year ago. So uh, a month, a half of we, or excuse me, half of the month down into fall camp, uh, I will add what I saw in the spring and summer, and say as a whole, I'm impressed by that, the coaching hires that Ed Orgeron was able to come away with. And I'll add, and and I'm singling out Durante Jones just because I heard it so much this summer when they were getting into it, and it's continued in fall camp. How well he connects with the players, and you know we'll talk recruiting at a later date, uh, but. With, on the recruiting front, too. You know, he just keeps it real. He's uh, engaging. He's a sharp mind. And that makes sense with the the, the people that signed off on that hire and, and uh, you know, uh, recommended him to Ed Ogeron as he went through the process of hiring his defensive coordinator. Durante Jones has been really sharp. And, you know, for both him and Jake Peets, we'll see what play calling is like. We'll see, like, how they do in the flow of the game and, you know, knowing when to use the analytics versus, you know, their gut and all of those things. But, just as far as connecting with the players, like you said, uh, I think there's they're all on the same page. They respect the guys that are coaching them up. Um, I, I think Durante Jones is going to be kind of that, you know, I mean, it's pretty easy for him to be the underrated hire of it all. Uh, but I think he really could be one of the better coordinator hires of the offseason when it's all said and done. Just nationally, um, he's got a defense that has a lot of skill to it. 
now that they're connecting well with each other, uh, if he puts it together in the play calling and all of those things, I think he's going to you know end up being, like I said, one of those underrated hires that has really helped turn this team back in the right direction. And they're going to get another opportunity this weekend to work on that communication on the field in a game-like setting and put it all together. And uh, I want to continue to see, Ed Ogeron said they're going to do goal line and things like that. If the injury bug allows them to do some of the physical things they want to do in this scrimmage. Um, and, and so this weekend, they're going to get a chance to continue to work on that communication. I guess I'll go back to what I, what I said. I want to see now that both the offensive line and some of these wide outs and, and skill position guys have had that first scrimmage under their belt. I want to see how they respond now that they've watched the tape. They can go back, make corrections. I want to quite honestly hear that the offense has a, a, has a better day on Saturday. Yep. Nope. Same with me. That's what I'm going with. I'm, I'm looking here. I'm going, you had transcribed the entire story from what Orgeron said, and I know he'd gotten specific with it, uh, of what they're going to do in the scrimmage. Yeah. Some goal line, a lot of short yardage stuff. So there might not be like gaudy stats to come out of the scrimmage. So I don't want to say that like, I want Max Johnson to throw for 200 something yards and these guys to Keishon Butte to have a big day because it'll be situational uh, and we'll see who all is even out there. But I'm in step with you completely of, I just want to hear the offense had a good day. They executed well. There weren't penalties. They blocked well. Uh, the guys, I'm guessing Davis Price probably won't be out there, but Emory and these two freshman running backs or whoever's back there was able to find running room. There were holes opening up. Uh, I want to hear that maybe overall that the O-line fared well, you know, better and, and played well. But I also do want to hear that Max Johnson looked in sync with the receivers. Him and Keyshawn Butte were doing really well because on the flip side, I'm guessing Ricks isn't going to play. Stingley's not going to play. McLeathern's not going to play. Ray Darius Jones and those guys weren't playing the week before either. There was, I think it was Darren Evans and a walk-on who were the first-team cornerbacks for Corey Raymond. And, uh, and Ed Orgeron said, credit Corey, his guys still were locking those guys down. Now, we didn't get to see the scrimmage. Did Max have no time to throw? What was uh, the entire storyline behind it? But I would like to hear coming out of this scrimmage, and I think if it were if it happens, I will say it right away that the offense rebounded in a big way. That the defense won this first scrimmage, but that the offense put it to them uh, in this one. I think that would make you feel a little bit better. Um, that and look, we say it all the time: don't freak out about fall camp or what we hear about scrimmage reports. I get it. You just want to hear that each side's been clicking at different points. So it'd be nice to hear that the offense has a pretty strong day on Saturday. Yep. And these younger players are going to continue to get opportunities as well in scrimmage, you know, with some of these banged up players. Uh, Demarius McGee, for example, uh, was back. He was banged up for this first scrimmage. You know, we're still waiting to hear more and more about Sage Ryan, Matthew Langlaw, some of these other younger defensive backs as well as they get adjusted to the next level and, and get on the field a little bit more in fall camp. Sage Ryan battling at that nickel and safety spot, uh, which, you know, you look at what Ed Ogeron said, you know, it seems like Jay Warden, he did, I don't think he mentioned Major Burns now that I think about it, but, you know, Major Burns is making a, a strong push, probably going to start, but they have a ton of different guys battling at safety. So I do want to hear a little bit more about the safety position uh, and kind of how that is shaping up for Ed Ogeron. Maybe we get to hear more about uh, how those guys are looking, how they're progressing, him going in depth on that front. Um, and, you know, when you switch, you know, onto our next topic, the stars of fall camp. This is a difficult one for me, but I'm going to go with right now on the, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with Ollie Gay so far. I mean, you hear from 
Andre Anthony. You hear from uh, some of these guys on the defensive line. And Shay and I haven't traded notes on this one before. I was going to pick Ali Gay. <laughs> he just put his hands up. But, you know, he, it was his first scrimmage out there. And he had such a strong day. I had to go with him. So I'm glad I get to you know, drive the bus a little bit and be the first one to pick. And But honestly, I think you could pick multiple defensive linemen on this one. So, Shay, you can pick who I should have picked, I guess. No, I'm just going to have Maddie B edit this backwards, and I'm going to get to go first, and then you'll just sound dumb when you repeat what I say. All right, I'll pick somebody else. We don't get to see everything, so I'm passing. We don't get to see a lot. We only get to see 15, 20 minutes of practice uh, during individual period. So I'll base a lot of this off of just what I'm hearing, like rumblings out there. The two freshmen are really good, but I'll give a group award here, and I don't think it's going to help anyone maybe feel like overall better about this season or like instantly what's happening, but – I've had a couple of people tell me um, that would know uh, on the LSU side that this freshman skill class is wild to them. They say there'll come a day when Nuss is a quarterback, when you've got Brian Thomas, Chris Hilton, Malik Neighbors, Deion Smith, all out there at receiver, that Jack Besh has gotten more filled out and is playing tight end. And then you're rotating this thunder and lightning with Corey Kiner and Armani Goodwin. These guys are all true freshmen. And across two weeks of camp, we've heard all of them mentioned as having big plays at different times and whether it's scrimmages or practices, 11 on 11, whatever it might be. Um, so you, since you stole my Ollie Gay, uh, I will say that I have heard a lot about how good the freshman skill guys on offense is what I'm talking about here more specifically, but how good they look and that uh, the future is bright in terms of what they've got there. A lot of that's going to work itself out, out this year. A lot of these freshmen uh, might as well, you know, might as well very well, maybe playing, a good bit. So we'll get to see a sneak peek of it early, but uh, I think they're excited for the day to come when that quarterback room and these guys all grow up as Walker Howard, you add some more skill guys. They feel like they're trending in a really good direction. And I think they're really happy about it too, because they got all these guys to campus and pulled it off where in a pandemic, they never had an in-person email. They never went and watched Corey Kiner play. They never went and watched Armani Goodwin play. And you can say that up and down that they never got to see Garrett Nussmeyer play unless Innsmere had gone when he was a junior. So kind of not, it's not, you're not going in blind, right? Like you've recruited them, you watched all of their game tape, you talked to their coaches, but you didn't ever get to sit down with them. You didn't get to do a, a number of these things. And between their character and their play, uh, these coaches are pumped that, uh, that they didn't come away with any egg on their face uh, off of a recruiting cycle where nothing was normal, uh, that they feel like they've got one of the better skill groupings in the entire country. And to kind of build off that, I think, you know, one, you mentioned the evals. When we ran through the 2021 recruiting class, it was a group that I don't think we saw LSU take many risks on. And they stayed in state for Jack Besh. They stayed in state for Malik Neighbors. And those guys were, you know, late offers. Matthew Langlaw, um, Bryce Langston. And this is kind of just off, off the top of my head right now. But uh, Kimo Macchianole, um they went out of state for, uh, but they knew, you know, obviously he had some good things about him, committed to Florida State late. They get Bryce Langston to sign early. He makes it to campus, which you love to see. Um, and, you know, he had a lot of buzz around him. So they cut, they they played it safe. They didn't, I don't feel like they took some of these players that we've seen here or there in the past where you can really say, eh, I'm not sure about that. And those were years with evals in person. Um, and to go back to Garrett Nussbeier, I think he's got to be at least an honorable mention star of camp so far. The way he's stepped up, 
to be the backup quarterback uh, without Miles Brennan uh, being healthy has been good. TJ Finley transferred out in the spring. It really seems like he's grabbed the bull by the horns. He had a good day in the scrimmage. I don't know who he was working with, what defense he was going against, but he had a strong day in the scrimmage as well. So I'd throw him in there. And to finally go back to your point about who went and watched him, I would think it would be Joe Brady that got a glimpse of Garrett Nussmeyer uh, as the last LSU coach before he made it to campus uh, and the pandemic hit. That would just be my guess. So um, that's how long it's been since those guys have been able to really go out and watch some of these players, um, you know, be out on on the field and running around and in person uh, when they carried on those evals. So uh, it was an interesting year, but I, I think I agree with you that, that they early on have really hit well on this 2021 recruiting class. There's a lot of buzz around them. Yeah, I don't sit here and really think, okay, the, this guy, that guy uh, is going to be in the portal immediately. I mean, it just seems like they're going to be able to uh, keep these guys around for a while. You know, we saw Jalen Shedd uh, move on uh, pretty quickly. But other than that, I mean, we're sitting here seeing a lot of these players, I think, are going to be on this roster for a while, going to be able to contribute in a, in a solid, impactful way. And it starts with the skill positions, like you said, Shay. All right. So, and we, I think we had four topics. Maddie B has been behind the scenes running it. We got through them all. So one question left. So I know who a Vetchkin in who, who's Doty. Is that a, uh, Drew, a Drew, defender? Drew Doughty, a defenseman from, uh, the LA Kings. He's one of the best in the world. He's a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my dad's, my dad played uh, college hockey. He's, uh, friends with a lot of guys from Toronto and, uh, the, uh, was the assistant GM for the Kings at the time when they had their Stanley cup run. Uh, he uh, got that jersey. It's his actually it's his Canadian uh, national team jersey. So I'm going to switch the jerseys out behind me until, you know, maybe I get a, a f- more official background. So you'll see some different names pop up there. But yeah, Ovi, uh, my dad's uh, college roommate, actually, is the play is the uh, color guy for the cap. So, you know, we'll be switching out the jerseys and, and, you know, I'll bring you into the hockey world a little bit more, Shay. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, but uh, <laughs> well, this is was our first one. We didn't We've discussed setups. So I'm going to have a setup. I'm just sitting in the office area right now. Uh, but my uh, when I used to do the cuts, which a lot of people on the site would see when we would do like VODs and I would just like give a minute or two take on LSU. My backdrop, which I almost put up today, is the exact backdrop that Maddie B drew up there that's on sort of behind our photos. So I would have just blended into the entire thing. So I'm glad I did not do that. I, it would have looked more. It would look terrible, worse than it does now, certainly. <laughs> Well, you know, I love the decor you've got there. Emily's done a great job of that, clearly, for your office. And, you know, the typewriter, the typewriters are, are awesome. We're going to have to look, have to have a little show and tell with those. Uh, I heard about your anniversary gift as well. So uh, you'll have to bring those out one day. And um, you're not that old that you were using typewriters back in the day, but those are pretty awesome, too. Yeah, I'm not I don't I'm not like I got my Vanna White down yet where I know how to put my hand in the camera to show things. But <laughs> it'll work. It'll work. We've got one. Uh, we've got one YouTube video down podcast. It was nice. If if you're listening to this on just a normal podcast, you completely missed out. Yep. You watch the, the YouTube. You'll have to watch the YouTube. Even Maddie B's got the the bottom line going. Shay has three typewriters. I love that. Time. I love that. He's chiming in from beyond. So uh, this is a good time to wrap it up before we sit here for another twenty minutes talking about typewriters and hockey jerseys. So you guys got what you wanted. You got a little fall camp feedback our stars of fall camp. Be sure to check back on the Go 24-7 podcast for more of these video editions of the pod. 
and we'll be back to uh, talk more. We'll have the next scrimmage to talk about. We're going to talk recruiting, continue to cover all the topics that we have on the Go 24-7 podcast for you guys. But now you get to see our faces on video, and we'll bring Maddie B in next time as well. You can get to know Go 24-7's newest writer as well uh, on that, and Sonny Ship will be joining the pod as well in the future. So with that, for Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Embody. It's signing off on this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Appreciate you guys listening and stopping by. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.